93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. Ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. Glad that you have tuned in. Very pleased to welcome back to the Eagle Studios, uh, Mike Murphy, who is the publisher of Como Buzz. Good morning. Dot com, uh, C-O-M-O-B-U-Z.com. And uh, check it out. It's a... Uh, uh, a local online magazine that uh, is probably the best journalism that's being done in uh, Columbia, Missouri right now. And so we really, um, um, I encourage you to pick it up, uh, check it out, uh, C-O-M-O-B-U-Z dot com, and uh, certainly subscribe if you'd like to support local journalism. Our town is a better place when we have journalists sticking their nose in city government county government school board uh all the different facets uh, of uh what's what's happening in our government very interesting story this week and of course uh coma bus is the only one to have it uh you broke the story you did the legwork um i'm hoping that somebody else picks up on the story uh, be- besides the ceo roundtable uh but um uh very interesting uh details surrounding um the reasons that were given to the public by the city manager of Columbia and the city spokesperson, um, and, uh, uh, Sydney Olson is her name. She, she was the, uh, an anchor on KMIZ, uh, TV prior to going to the city, uh, makes a lot of money for us, for a PR person, uh, which is kind of interesting because most PR people don't make the kind of money she makes, but, uh, I'm, I'm sure. Sure, she's worth it, uh, and to put up with what she has to put up with is probably worth the money. But there was a reason given several weeks ago why the homeless camp near I seventy and sixty three be- behind Home Depot had to be cleared. And the reason given was that the Department of Natural Resources had issued a citation to the city that all of the trash and the junk and whatever else was going on back there in this homeless camp was affecting the water quality of the Hinkson Creek. Tell us about that story. I mean, and uh, set that up a little bit better than I just right. did. Uh, turns out there was no citation from the Department of Natural Resources. Right. So a lot of it in the beginning, some of it is splitting hairs and it's about definitions. And then it goes into some motivation and it kind of I think it becomes pretty clear in the end. But uh, all of a sudden, all of the media in town was reporting a story that there was a DNR complaint uh, issued to the city uh, about pollution from the large homeless encampment north of the 6370 interchange out there. Mm-hmm. And that came from Sidney Olson, the uh, spokesperson for the city manager's office. Um, she was wi- it w- widely attributed to her in pretty much every media, and this is kind of a sad sideline the only media that didn't report it was the daily tribune because they haven't been recovering this homeless thing <laughs> or anything but, but virtually every radio station uh, uh yeah. every tv station the missourian a couple of times and they all reported some form of a that the dnr had issued keyword a complaint uh, about pollution going into hinkson creek and some of them then did actually run with it quite a bit more than 
then the city manager's office actually did state and, and they kind of extrapolated and exaggerated, but that became the narrative and it happened to be a false narrative. And in fact, the city manager himself went on, on the radio and said that, uh, uh, they'd been issued a notice from the DNR and that if they didn't do something, it, it would lead to a complaint. Yeah. So I started hearing that there was no complaint. And uh, so I asked other people to try to get a sunshine request for the complaint. Nobody could get it because they don't really have one. Yeah. Uh, I, so so, I, so tell us a little bit about that process. Well, because there's a lot of people that are listening that, that have no idea what a, what a FOI okay. a yeah, request right. is. And, and so talk about that process and what were you specifically asking all for? All right. So there's a trick. So if you want a document from the city, you make a request under Missouri Sunshine Laws. These are open records. Mm -hmm. And the city has a portal, and you can do this automatically. You can also call and talk to somebody and make it, but they'd like you to go through the portal. Actually, the law allows you to call and ask it of somebody. So most of us go through the portal and make a request. The trick when making a Sunshine Law request is you have to know exactly what you're asking for yeah. if they don't want to give it to you. Be very specific. Correct. Yeah. So people were on a fishing expedition, and they were kind of complaining about it. So I uh, made a request for all correspondence with the DNR related to the homeless camps mm. uh, in the last three months. And I got back uh, eight uh, pieces of information and uh, seven of them were emailed were were complaints that had been emailed to the DNR that the DNR was forwarding back to Columbia so let me just jump forward a so little bit complaints from yeah. citizens correct all the DNR the DNR looks at it as they have jurisdiction over anything they want yeah. but what this is is Columbia's a Columbia wastewater issue so they're actually they're acting as their function is just to forward the complaints back yeah. to Columbia yeah all right, so one of the complaints, and it's the wrong word. But, okay, but we, are we but, talking about the Hinkson Creek? Yeah, we're okay. going there. Which, you know, the Hinkson Creek has been, uh, is is listed on, I can't remember, is it the 303D or 503D list uh, of endangered waterways mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. state of Missouri? Uh, and the city and the county have been, and the mm -hmm. university have been working together to get it Correct. off the list. Okay, Correct. so so people really understand, especially DNR, uh, they understand the water quality issue in the Hinkson, okay? So sure. it, there's probably um, a lot of information about that out there. Somebody called the, they wanted to complain about the camp, so they called the DNR's 24-hour hotline for, uh, the DNR calls it their spill line. It's mm -hmm. their emergency line for an environmental event. Oh, okay. And what happens automatically then is that generates an emergency response form that is sent to the, the appropriate municipality, which in this case would be the city of Columbia. Hmm. So they got back from the DNR this uh, emergency response form that says on the top, uh, somebody called our hotline. We haven't verified any of the information. We don't know if any of this is true. We don't even know if the spelling is right. We want you to have it in your hands as soon as possible. That's what they got back. Hmm. That became known as the complaint. Hmm. So... And really, they could have handled this so much better by just acknowledging, you know, that this is a um, imperfect description, or you know, this is an easy kind of like mistake to make. Not a mistake for the city manager not to know what he got. But then what happened is, is they started telling everybody every time they got asked why they were cleaning up that homeless camp, they used this as an excuse. Uh, right up, even the mayor was doing it, which came out at city at a city council meeting this week. As they were questioning this city uh, manager about this, she was telling people that they got a citation because she believed that to be the case. So anyway, I talked, I, I 
realized what had happened. I talked to the DNR. They said, no, we're no complaints. We're not investigating anything. We're not doing anything. We're just letting the city of Columbia know what's going on. So I wrote that up as a story, letting people know there was no complaint. Then I heard the uh, city manager on the radio saying, you know, that uh, they'd been issued a notice and it could lead to a citation. And I quoted him in a story about this misinformation that's coming right from the top, right from him. Yeah. And that kind of led to, you know, he had this. So now city council wanted an explanation why they all thought, why the whole town thought that the DNR was driving this part of the driving force for cleaning up this uh, homeless camp. And so, to Carlin blamed the media. He said that they never said there was a complaint, and the media took this and ran with it. And then, and, and first of all, that's totally untrue. You can go look at any of the media reports. Cindy Olson is widely quoted as saying there was a complaint. I don't mm-hmm. know why DeCarlin was saying that. And then, you know, he had particular wrath for Como Buzz. He, right during in questioning the council meeting Monday night, he's like, I've been accused of perpetuating a uh, a fraud and I have ethics and I don't lie and all this kind of stuff and it just got <laughs> blown, yeah. blown way out of proportion. Yeah, he was he said uh uh we said uh we received a notification from DNR. We never said that we were cited. Sewood Seawood said uh we said we received a complaint but no one ever said there was a citation. Um, and then the mayor questioned Seawood, according to your, uh, reporting. And, um, and I, and I think that Nick Knopf and, um, and the mayor both, I, I think this really brings to head a, another core issue that the, uh, the core problem that the city has is that, uh, they're terrible communicators. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, not as bad as the school district. Yeah. Uh, but they are terrible communicators. And so, um, it's sort of, it opens another, you know, another Pandora's box, really. Well, you have to be, if you're a professional in that job, that's where both of them, if you're a professional public information officer, you need to be very precise in, in how you communicate. You just don't make this mistake, I don't think. And if yeah. you're... Unless you're being paid and working for dishonest people. Well, if, and if you're a city manager, I think this is just, um, it's not a good look for sure. Mm-hmm. And then I think... You know, he was going to play a word game when he started saying, we never said there was a citation. Well, that's true. And nobody ever reported that he said mm-hmm. there was a citation. But I think he lost track was would be the best way I could give him the benefit of the doubt. And he started saying over and over again, we never said there was a violation. Well, yeah, they said there was a violation many, many, many times. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure, you know, and it could have been such a, <laughs> so it blew into this big, ugly thing at the, at the, uh, council meeting he brought out all his staff and he had his people give long speeches about how important it is to deal with the dnr and it just was really silly and what Mm -hmm. he what he should have said right in the beginning was if i was advising him or you know somebody might know what they're doing he could have said you know we got this information from the dnr and, and and we really felt we took it important and we needed to react to it and we mobilized everybody because we knew it was time to get going and we started calling it the the dnr uh, complaint, and perhaps that's a little imprecise, and we should have been a little better. And if we miss anybody, I'm sorry. And yeah, that's what they should have said. Over, that's but, over. They, but they didn't say. If it. I, when I called him to comment on the story before I wrote it, if he would have told me that, I probably wouldn't even have done the story. Yeah, it wouldn't have made the news cycle. I know. You know what I mean? Yeah, it should, yeah. yeah we made a mistake. Uh, yeah. Gosh, sorry it, about that. And it know? makes sense. It's yeah. kind of a kind of a mince, there's kind a of lot a, of moving parts here. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and, and there, you know, there's accredited public relations people that can that yeah. sort of manage you manage you through that. But so when you look at um, uh, sort of 
this what what has happened is is really more of a symptom of a of a larger problem in city government. Uh, so you know, I think we talked about there's a communications problem. Uh, what else is going? I guess well, the other a, uh, the the other thing that's sort of at play here is that we have this uh, politically charged uh, the homelessness problem in Colombia is bad. It's getting ready to get a lot worse i mean a lot worse and uh and i think most people who understand uh homeless trends and homeless populations will tell you off the record that it's getting ready to get very ugly and so uh so we we have a homeless problem that we're afraid to uh tackle uh we have a communications problem what else is wrong in city government what what else is this a symptom of well, there's a lot of things wrong in city government. What we're talking about right now, though, is in their mission statement is the word transparency. They got eight or nine uh, word mission statement and transparency is part of it. And they're totally not transparent over and over and over and over and over. So they, they should fix that. Uh, being open and honest would go a long, long way, but they're not. They, they either they either don't give out the right information or they hide information or they or they spin information. Um and so, so nobody really trusts anything coming out of there. Yeah. So that's that's part of the problem. And then there's also just an old fashioned competency issue. They're running a they're running a very large operation, you know, a half a billion dollar a year operation, and they're 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 struggling to do so. And th- this homeless uh, problem is going to be a high profile. I think you're 100 percent right. In fact, right now the entire discussion has moved to. So they moved. The, they displaced these people. This is not the city council now. This is city staff. They right. tell city council. Yeah. Which they're under no obligation to do. So they have to answer to them. But they, so they move those, they displace those people with no plan, no place for them to go. They, you know, I don't want to be overly harsh because I'm not saying anybody could have done this perfectly, but all you did was scatter them. Yeah. Uh, it, it would have, the camp needed to come down. I don't think anybody w- would want to argue otherwise, but having some type of a plan to manage it a little better. It might it might have gone a long way to uh, especially uh, uh, make the advocates of the people who are taking care of these these homeless folks are trying to feel a little bit better about what happened. Well, you've got to admit there's two things. Uh, there is some merit, um, uh, and I might get crucified for saying this, but there is some merit to out of sight is out of mind. Okay, so the homeless population hiding back in woods that uh, was city owned property wasn't private property. Uh, well, at least they weren't. You know, uh, out in public, that one group will say that. the other The other thing that people will say is, it sure is easier to get a shopping cart at Target these days. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just it, it's crazy what's happening in this community, and we spend millions. Can I repeat? M- millions of dollars to address the homeless situation in this community every single year and uh what have we done what do we have to show for it right now nothing and i think there's a a a lot of people working on it as somebody might say they're more focused on it i I think that there's a a new open-minded to things like a sanctioned camp they they realize this problem isn't going to go away and they're going to have to get creative and 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 come up with some solutions because you're right it's going to continue to be an issue 
for the foreseeable future. That's the voice of Mike Murphy, the publisher of Como Buzz, uh, an online uh, news magazine that you should check out. Uh, we'll come back and we'll continue our conversation about some of the other shenanigans going on. And we'll talk about his interview uh, with Mayor Barbara Buffalo on the first anniversary of her being in office. All of that and more is coming up on the CEO Roundtable. You're listening to 93.90. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend, visiting with Mike Murphy, who is the publisher of Homobuzz.com. And um, we have been talking a little bit about the homeless situation and, and really sort of uh, some some aspects of the of the larger story that sort of show the dysfunction in city government. Uh, but, um, you know, I think that um, the truth of the matter is, um, in this particular scenario, the homeless people were back there really not bothering anybody. Now, there have been some pretty significant crime incidents involved with this particular camp in the last, uh, I can think of three uh, in the last uh, few months. But, you know, um, and so we go in and we disrupt it. We get it off. They get those people off of city land. Uh, we disperse. You know, there is sort of, I was trying to remember, there, were, there was a movie that I watched um uh, once, but but I, but just going back to the Corona uh, virus pandemic, um, you know there was an attempt to have, uh, for lack of better words, a sanctioned camp at the intersection of North Providence and, uh, um, s- not Smiley, but up there by Vanderveen, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember what that that uh, East West Road is, but um, so you know the, Michael Trapps and his brother John mm-hmm. tried tried to do that uh, as far as i know my uh John Trapp is still a consultant for the city yeah. of columbia uh mm-hmm. working uh to help with the homeless population mm-hmm. uh the city announced this week that they're going to hire a full-time um homeless um Czar, we're calling Czar, there you go. That'll <laughs> yeah. work in the health department yeah. all right cuz they yeah. they've run out of things to do i guess um so um Tell me a little bit about this this idea that's sort of floating around about a sanctioned camp. Well, they're going to have to do something if you think about it. So picture the Opportunity Center up and running a couple years from now. I don't know. Uh, well, I think something else that's going on that's behind the scenes that people are talking about a lot is you hear about affordable housing and you throw your hands up because nobody knows what to do about it. But rents are going up rapidly. Yep. And it is... It is at a, at a crisis level at the low end of housing in Colombia. There's just not enough of it. They're doing mm-hmm. a study to actually get data so we can actually talk, you know, more precisely about what that looks like, and we should have that soon. But I think it's easy to anticipate more and more and more of what we have going on growing and growing and growing. So the thought of a sanctioned camp is actually uh, people are open to it now. I told somebody the other day, you tell me, especially people who are really complaining about this, you tell me your solution and I'll tell you what's wrong with it. Okay. It's it's really hard to, uh, you know, for years, the a policy was like you mentioned earlier, you get them out of the business district, you run them out of the business district, then most people don't know they exist. And yeah. then they but, come into your neighborhood. Well, that's where, not, where it's your not kids gonna, are playing yeah, in the yard. And it's not going to fly. Yeah. So there's these, uh, there's a company called Pallet. I wrote about it, just like spelled just like a pallet. Mm-hmm. You might have a you know you know the stack on the on the shop floor. Yep. They create these little um, 
little homes, tiny little homes that have a bed and a bathroom in them. You can build, and they have a system for building a whole village out of those. Mm -hmm. The city has identified, and I've been going to do a story about it, and I've just kind of held off because I it's uh, I want to make sure it's actually relevant before it's becomes before it's important. But they've identified like 156 pieces of property that they own, the city owns, that's larger than three acres, doesn't have a lot of vegetation on it, where they could possibly put a sanctioned camp. Now the issues there are number one: when the neighbors find out about it, they're going to go crazy. Well, yeah, yeah. Number two is, and the mayor, uh, I talked to her. I did this one year anniversary uh, that you mentioned interview with her that she doesn't believe and i think it's easy to agree with her that they don't have the city doesn't possess the skill set to manage something like that picture if you're going to put them on city property and take responsibility for them now you know all of the stuff that goes on in these camps from you know the crime and the drug abuse and the mental health issues you're going to have to take that it becomes your problem you're going to have to manage it so her, I, you know, her, the conversation is we find a nonprofit or a, a religious-based group who's perhaps willing to develop the skill set to manage something like this, and uh, put out. They're they're talking about putting out an RFP. I think they already have in the past done some um, uh, sought some groups who could perhaps help them with this. With no luck, there's nobody who you know mm-hmm. nobody just has that skill set. So you know. They're, they're, yeah, they're searching. I think she's, she was very honest. They, they don't, her frustration, as she explained to me, was that everybody thinks the city has an answer. They're just not doing anything. The truth of the matter is they're not doing anything because they don't know what to do. So let me, let me have you, well, first of all, I've heard that they're thinking about this, this sanctioned camp. Uh, they're talking about either building it right next to Thornbrook or right next to Old Hawthorne. So that'll be interesting to see how that, how that plays out. Okay. I'm totally making that up. I'm just trying to stir things up. Okay. And it'll work. And that, I guarantee that'll be a rumor before, uh, the day is done. I actually thought you were, it was going to be. <laughs> okay, so challenge me on this. Yeah. Um, we have an obligation to provide homeless services only to those people who call Columbia home and those who have called Columbia home for a minimum of two years. Um, and, um, and, we have no obligation to provide homeless services to people who come to Columbia because they've heard that it is a mecca for homeless services. Challenge me on that. I think that if, if I, if you want me on the devil's advocate side here, I think a human being is a human being wherever they came from. And if they show up in your uh, backyard, then you have a moral uh, responsibility to help that person. Okay. And so are we just making our backyards more attractive than we need to? Well, I think there's no question about that. Okay. We build that opportunity campus. We're going to yeah. have the most beautiful backyard in all yeah. of Missouri. Yeah. Somebody, I don't, was it you and me? We were talking about how the, the hobos on the trains used to mark an X next to the, the, the homes that, that people, where people would feed them. Uh, so you, if you were one of the hobos riding the trains and you saw a white X on the fence, you knew that that person was, was a kind person that would feed you if you knocked on their door. Was that you and I talking about? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Now, so what about um, this? Uh, the, the other story that's that's sort of going on, and 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 my fear, my very real fear is, and, and you know, I want to be as compassionate about this as as possible, and and uh, I, um, I just I think we're starting to just see. Okay, so challenge me on this. This is not an affordable housing problem. Okay, this our our because the people that are homeless are people that could not afford to live in any type of housing, uh, whether it was the very worst 
uh, inventory or something that was suitable, uh, decent. This, to me, is a largely a mental health and a substance abuse problem. I think we should stop talking about affordable housing because the real affordable housing crisis in our community is that uh, teachers and police officers who are single parents cannot afford to buy a home in this community. Okay, people who are working and making the average wage uh, of a salary for a police officer or for a school teacher cannot afford to buy a home in Columbia, Missouri. That's the affordable housing crisis problem. Being homeless has nothing to do with affordable housing. I think that uh, there are people who are going to get one of those Section 8 vouchers who would like to be in a home who can't find one. So I think... I think I would parse what you're saying down the middle. Well, that's not affordable housing. I mean, that's subsidized. That's government housing. That's that's public housing. That's not affordable housing. All right, I got you. That that's a that distinction. You're right. Um, I think though that where you may be going, and I think the argument is, is there's, are how hard? What do we have to do to accommodate? some people who just don't want to join society. Mm -hmm. You know, I think if, I think when the people who are, they hit a short term rough patch and they're in trouble and they need help, I think there's a lot of resources out there to help them. And I think people who really, really want to get themselves out of um, the trouble they're in, largely it's going to be hard and it can be ugly and it can be heartbreaking, but I think there's largely support for them there. And I think there always will be, and actually will probably be growing that amount of support. Mm -hmm. The issue that's left is, and I think what brings a lot of this problem, just think about this is 30 people is all in this homeless camp. These are people, I don't want to stereotype them all, but many of them who, because of drugs and other mental health issues Mm -hmm. or just a certain attitude, they are choosing this lifestyle yeah. and how we're going to help them who don't want help then becomes, what are we going to do about them? That's a really thorny issue that mm-hmm. I don't think anybody has a great answer to. Yeah. Um, this is a humanity, humanitarian crisis and, 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 and I get that, but I think that we are being a little short sighted about, um, do we have an obligation to, to be the, the the one resource in the entire Midwest where people flock to, and all the societal and cultural problems uh, that come with a large homeless population. I mean, you, you sort of. I mean, you, you see it when you're driving down the street. I mean, there's been pictures posted on, posted on social media, people laying across the full sidewalk in downtown Columbia. You hear business owners talk every week about how someone has uh, left excrement on the on their front door of their business. Um, you. I mean, it's just, you know, I don't know. There, there are, there aren't easy solutions, but I think throwing more money at it is not one of the solutions. Well, it's a circular question. You could, you could want to provide these uh, services to help people, mm-hmm. and our community, uh, a large part of it, is clearly saying we want to do that, and we're going to do that, and it makes us look like an enlightened, generous community, and to feel good about providing these services it's almost like a, a spin-off like a certain corollary of doing that it leads it has unintended consequences and they're not even unintended i think they're pretty obvious going to be consequences 
we, we don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the resources. We don't have the money. But what do you do? Just, just shut it all down or don't do anything and try to uh, just try to run them off? I'm, I'm not sure. You, you, you almost look at uh, Columbia has a certain urban element to it, right? Uh, you're going, no matter how much you don't want them here, you're going to have some of that problem here, right? Yeah. So you have to address it, and addressing it seems to make it worse. Yeah. Perhaps. Well, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I here's what I here's where you can hear the pin drop when you say to people, okay, with this opportunity center that we're going to use eighteen million dollars of public money on just just to get it built. Um, not to program it, not to staff it. Um, what, what is your solution for addressing the substance abuse problem or the mental health problem? I mean, what re, I mean, build it and they will come, but do you have the resources to adequately address the substance abuse problem or the mental health problem? And, you know, the answer is a big fat no, but really the answer is deafening silence. They don't like that question. I think you know? that you see, I'm not sure that it's deafening silence. I, you're seeing, Burl expand rapidly, right? Yep, You're seeing yep. Compass expand rapidly. I think that there's a recognition that these services need to be here. These are largely charity type services, right? There's not money in it, yep. or there's just government money in it. But, but Mike Murphy, what happened when you tried to call Ed Stansberry and say, "Tell me what your plan is for this building"? What happened? Well, over and over, yeah, and, over like, uh, and over and yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. He, he yeah. deafening silence. He did not respond to you. He felt no obligation to respond to you, but yet he wants. Our community, our local governments, all of our social service agencies to hand over $18 million to build this, this opportunity center. But he did not feel any sense of obligation to tell you what his plan was. Well, you're certainly on to a problem there. Who are they going to be accountable to? That is a very good question. Okay. Am I lying? Am I no, exaggerating? No, they're going to be accountable. The only accountability is going to be the, to the purse, to the, to the county and the city who funds them oh, to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know they're, that's troublesome. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, but. Then you're, the, the devil's advocate question there is, I, I don't think anybody's going to deliver a perfect solution. So no, this is certainly an imperfect solution. There are solution. no perfect yeah. solutions. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, yeah. it is a crisis uh, yeah. across the country. Well, it's not a crisis in the middle of Nebraska or, or the middle of North Dakota or, or wherever people don't want to go. It's not a crisis there. City, uh, it's in a city. In yeah. almost any city of our size are grappling with the same thing. I, I think Columbia has it much worse. I think Columbia has, has sort of made its own nest. And I think we're all going to pay the price for that. And it's, it's, it's going to come down to public safety. You know what I mean? That's going to be a major, major issue in quality of life. And, uh, you know what? Uh, we're supposed to love our brothers. We're supposed to, ser- we're supposed to serve others. We're supposed to take care of the widows and orphans. And, uh, but I think we're sort of, uh, our plan, our solutions are not very comprehensive. And because I think we refuse to address, to address the substance abuse problem and the mental health. We're problem. going to have to build that out. We have the resources to do that. I think we have I, the resources right now, but when the, when the TARP money, the, yeah. I mean, the ARPA money goes away and the COVID money goes away, we're not going to have the resources. We're, we're still a pretty, we're still a pretty wealthy town, even before ARPA. The county, they're flush. Now we're gonna, we're going through a good time. The city, they're flush. They got a lot of cash. Um, they plead poverty all the time, but I'm not sure that we're not in a position to build out these mental health services that can serve this community. I hope so. I think, yeah. I think there's people who are onto that and, and we'll see where that goes. We'll be back with Mike Murphy right after this break on the CEO roundtable. You're listening to 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. 
And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable. This is our third and final segment. Uh, uh, the whole time that you and I are talking, I'm looking up uh, on the television screens here in the studio and, and looking at the national feeds from San Francisco and, and Seattle and Portland, and you see what's happening with, with uh, the homeless populations in those communities. And, and, and what when you, when you have a lenient city, lenient, uh, compassionate, quote, air quotes, uh, city council, uh, this is sort of the, the social problems that, that get created and, and uh, it becomes overwhelming and you destroy your city. Uh, but we're going to stop talking about homeless here for a few minutes. And, and you had an interesting conversation with the mayor of Columbia. Barbara Buffalo celebrates her first year, uh, uh, one year anniversary of being mayor of Columbia. Tell what, what, uh, did you take away from that interview that, uh, left an impression on you? Um, I thought she did a pretty good interview. There was nothing particularly revealing in it. A few news stories come out of it. I think what I took away actually is um, she was confident and relaxed and spoke freely. And I had never really seen her do that much mm. before. You know, sometimes we forget we're being interviewed. Well, you know, there's so much stress around City Hall. Yeah. And where I travel, you know, I travel among the complainers. You know, I, I go where the like the news stories are, or, and I feel a lot of angst and I feel a lot of. Uh, criticism and it's sort of this environment and and i kind of pictured her being really um you know caught up in that perhaps and being affected by it and um that's not what i got at all i thought she was pretty uh uh spoke spoke freely and and felt it sounded pretty confident and uh tell me how you would characterize her relationship with DeCarlin Seawood because they were co-workers they were friends yeah. before she became mayor uh but it looks like she didn't really jump in and protect him uh, no, when you I, were asking I, when, I, when I, the the public yeah. was asking questions about uh this DNR hoax I think she sees the shortcomings there I think she's trying to help him I think her heart's certainly in the right place but uh um, she's saying that we need to see some improvements on some things, on communication, on keeping the uh, council updated, also on um, executing projects. You know, the city is, it's hard to, I thought about trying to quantify it, and I don't think you could, but if you think how much value has been squandered from the 2015 bond issue on electric and the 2018 bond issue on, on water infrastructure improvements that haven't got done, and what that amount of money would have paid for yeah. prior to all this, it's yeah. literally tens of millions of dollars mm-hmm. of value that just is... Evaporated. Yeah. yeah. So it's really sad, and she knows that, and... Um, well, tell me about the dynamics of the council with uh, you. You follow this probably more closely than anybody uh, with some institutional knowledge. Uh, the dynamics uh, with Don Waterman and Nick Knopf now on the council. I, I got to tell you, I uh, have seen a, a couple of television interviews with Nick Knopf. I read his comments in, in uh, Como Buzz this week. Um, I got to tell you, I was impressed. I mean, Nick and I have different politics, but I uh, I sort of feel like he's asking the right questions. Yeah, I totally agree. And I actually feel like Nick's politics might be closer to yours than, than he's let on. Well, he hides it well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, you know, Nick's a sharp guy, and he loves government, and he loves policy. Mm-hmm. And um, he's off to a really good start. He asked some good questions the other night. He sort of distinguished himself. And I'm hopeful for him. Uh, and optimistic. You know? He might be a key figure on this this affordable housing issue because you know he grew up in in what I think most people would consider poverty with a single mother, and and so I think he understands that perspective. And it's also a hobby of his, or it's like a 
it's an interest of a his. strong interest. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I, I, you know, I'm I'm really rooting for him. I I think that uh, he's got good instincts and uh, he's got to win some people over. And you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, Waterman. Waterman I'm not, yeah. I'm not yeah. so sure. You know, I, I'm not so sure. I don't think I, I think the opposite of of him. The uh, you know, he's going to have to. Uh, uh, he's going to have to figure out a way to uh, find his voice and distinguish himself. So my, it's early. I mean, yeah. I, I think that I, I think that you know he's got the right values. He's got um, uh, he understands, uh, but you know he's also got some unique perspectives that comes from from maybe that non traditional uh, conservative Republican standpoint. But uh, so uh, I think we need give to him have, a little time. I think. I'm not optimistic. I think we have to have people on the council who are willing, who understand the idea of accountability and um, making sure that uh, that your job is is to hold uh, staff, people running the city accountable for their jobs. And I don't mean it in a bad way at all. Well, you got to hold the city. but they, they only have the right to hold the city manager accountable. C- correct. And correct. so they got to leave the staff alone. They which do. Is, which has been a problem in the past. They do, but they have to ask the right questions about uh, let's take police mm-hmm. uh yes the city manager is in charge and they only actually have authority with the city manager mm-hmm. but yeah you have to ask the right questions that you know the police chief will show up at a meeting and take questions um it doesn't have to always flow through the city manager and i think that uh i'm i'm anxious to see uh Don take any kind of a stance that illustrates he's willing to ask any kind of hard questions of anybody uh, in, under the idea of holding them accountable for mm-hmm. their job. It, it is tough. I, I don't, I've experienced as, as opinionated as I am. Um, uh, you get into a certain situation and you get sucked into the group think pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and it's it's hard to always be the one guy. That is against everything, mm-hmm. and there are times when you have to be against everything because everything that's happening is just total BS. That it's, got laid on Pat Fowler in the last. Right, yeah. that's right. And so, and and so, look what you know. Look how she was yeah. um, ostracized, mm-hmm. and so, mm-hmm. um, it, but. And so what tends to happen is you get people on these boards and on these commissions, on the council and, and on the, on the you know, different forms of city government, and they just sort of end up being sucked into the group think. And it's, you know, look, we all have this psychological desire to get along and go along with people. And, and you don't want to be the person that's in there fighting tooth and nail all the time. Which sort of brings me to this interesting airport advisory committee meeting, because this is the first time that we really, outside of the uh, water and light committee, which we got rid of all the good, you know, the good, the good people there. Well, that's not true. There's still a lot of great people on the water and light board, but, but, you know, we, we got rid of the people who were, were que- asking the really good questions, but we have this airport advisory, uh, board, uh, and they asked some tough questions at their last meeting. Tell us about, set that up for us. Tell us about that. Well, well, f- first of all, this group think, I think, that I think you describe the media also. I mean, I think uh, I, I think the media is that's just, just incompetence. They're, they're just going along and yeah. they're for the ride. And it's they're horrific. All fr- they're all friends. horrific. Yeah. So I'm just expanding my. I have two areas of interest. I, I didn't pick these areas. I, I, I didn't really want to get into utilities like I did. I just ended there because there's so much. <laughs> Thank goodness co- you did. Continues to be. Yeah. Uh, uh, airports got my interest. I I hear a lot of things going on. Boone Boone Health has my interest actually, mm-hmm. but. Uh, so I've been going to airport board uh, commission meetings, the airport advisory board who advises the city council to try to, same reason I started going to utility meetings is to educate myself, learn what's going on and, f- you know, find out what 
learn about their business and um, here and I hadn't written anything much yet uh, and here at this last meeting two meetings ago I heard uh, some you know grumbling about this uh, contract agreement that the airport entered into with Woodruff Advertising here, Woodruff Marketing, $300,000 for five months worth of um, advertising services. So I made a request. Was it advertising services or just research or? No, it's marketing services. So they're actually going to market the airport during those five months. Correct. Yep. 300 grand worth. Okay. Uh, And as has been sort of typical with operation of the airport, the staff had not the staff had not engaged with the advisory board on any of that. They just moved forward and did it. And the advisory board uh, is, um, if you want to be successful or uh, impactful or effective on an advisory board and, and, and citizens, you have to have sharp elbows and you got to wait in and you got to demand answers. Mm-hmm. And that's why so many of them are ineffective. S- some are effective. And I'm seeing the, uh, I'm, I think we witnessed here in the last week, the airport advisory board kind of stepping up and saying, uh, you know, hey, we we need to we need to know more. So they came back and they had a presentation from Woodruff, and it's all a done deal and over with. But we got to learn because that's the other thing about advisory boards; it's where things can become public that you otherwise never never know about. Mm-hmm. So uh, Tom Richards, he's a uh, he's the uh, he runs the universities, the MU Systems nine billion dollar. I mean, he is uh, a yeah. super smart yeah, guy. Yeah, he's a great asset. To, yeah. they, we need more. And Gary Thompson's on that from Columbia oh. Insurance Group. He's on that board yeah. too. Wow. So you know, Gary Thompson knows what it's like to spend three hundred thousand of his own money, which <laughs> right. Stacy Button does not know what that feels like. And and that's what those guys are kind of concerned about that we got $300,000 going out the door and is there any kind of uh, accountability like what are we going to get back for this in two years from now when we look back is it going to have accomplished anything typical questions that you in the advertising business would ask if if you know before you would shell out any money and I don't think the answers were very uh, were particularly what they wanted to hear by any means and I I think they kind of illustrated their point that uh, okay we're going to spend this money there's nothing the advisory board can do on it now it's a done deal but uh, we sure don't feel very good about the answers we're hearing about uh, what we're going to get back for this investment. Yeah, there's there's missing pieces of the puzzle in this story. But, you know, it's sort of it. it I guess it doesn't shock me that the, the airport, which is, you know, a thriving entity that has some success that that still needs to be marketed aggressively. Sure. You know, three hundred thousand dollars in the grand scheme of things Agreed. for an entity yep. that size. Is, it's not that big of a deal. But but still, there should be some level of accountability. That, that's right. The issue yeah. isn't the yeah. issue isn't spending the money. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just ask, the, allow well, us to ask what, the question. What, what, well, what what? Uh, what they're asking is what's what's our objective yeah. and how are we going to measure it and then they bring up uh some some executive type questions like you know things are exploding at the lake are, what are we doing to make sure that becomes part of our market share are we going to let we're going to let the tribe build their own airport yeah and and who's really That's, yeah very interesting thought yeah. I, yeah something yeah. that most of us haven't thought about yeah. what's your interest in Boone Health you mentioned that just sort of in passing uh what's what's that well, something that they is- won't uh so if you lived in Mexico you wake up one day and your, your hospital's closed you live in Fulton you yeah. wake up one day and your hospital's closed mm-hmm. and um Boone Health won't release any financial information to the public mm-hmm. and I've tried I have a good relationship I've talked to s- several of the trustees management they just of course Troy Greer is gone mm-hmm. their CEO um, I've been trying for some time in a cooperative manner to get some information on them out to the public. I think it's the public's, I think it's the county's hospital. It's owned by the uh, citizens of the county and they deserve to know what's going on with it. The trustees don't agree with me. Hmm. They, they, they're going to continue to run it. Uh, they have, they have the right, they think, 
uh, and, and it's existed to, they're not subject to sunshine laws with Chaz, the company that runs the, the actual operation of the hospital. So all those, they have the legal right until somebody would go challenge it to, uh, uh, really not give the public anything. And they're not. And I've been asking and, and getting a no. So I'm going at, so we've agreed that I'm going to have to do that in an adversarial manner. So I've been collecting this money from other, uh, this information from other sources. I, I mean, I, it's a lot of work. I know how to, but I know how to do it. Yep. And, uh, and I'm doing it and I'm putting it together and I'm, I'm pretty determined to uh, be able to share with uh, the uh, citizens of uh, Boone County what's going on with their hospital. Yeah. And I think they're going to be pretty surprised. Mm-hmm. There's no good news in health care right now. I, you, you look at, uh, you know, Kaiser Permanente announced that they had lost $5 billion in the first quarter. You know, there's no good news in health care. And so you're going to get bad news. And, and I guess is the fear of, as a former trustee that, yeah, you're going to report that we're having financial difficulties. Is that going to send a message to the community that we don't provide excellent health care anymore? I mean, I, I'm just no, wondering. I, I think know. it's like we have a right. No, what a, well, okay, put it this way. If, uh, if, uh, Boone Health were to close its doors because it ran out of cash mm-hmm. and there was not the greatest failure of Columbia Media in the last decade or more, that's saying a lot, would be Boone Health closing without a single story being written about it before it happened. Yeah. Mike Murphy, we appreciate your time this week. Always so much more we can talk about. We'll be back next weekend with another, uh, edition of the CEO Roundtable. This is 939 The Eagle. It's my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it.